We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Have you guys ever heard uh, someone give you that counsel? And I think generally speaking, it's good. Uh, they're words of wisdom. When someone comes against you, uh, don't defend yourself. Uh, let God defend you, and you'll be okay. Have you guys ever heard that? You know, um, I would liken that to a modern-day proverb in that, generally speaking, this is generally true. Uh, no need to defend yourself. Uh, don't bother. I think if you do, you might get bothered. Um, the Lord will defend you. But uh, I don't in any way want to say that there won't be times where you, you kind of need to defend yourself. Every once in a while, you need to fight back, uh, especially for the sake of the flock or your family in a good and godly way, in a humble way. And that's what the book of Second Corinthians in one sense is all about. You know, uh, that's what this letter is. It's actually, of all people, Paul the Apostle defending himself. It's the defense of his apostolic authority, his sincerity, his spirituality. And because uh, the sad reality is that people were talking smack about him. They were slandering him. And it wasn't just behind his back, you know. It wasn't just like husband and wife having their little whisperings. It wasn't, you know, friends exchanging their so-called prayer requests, you know, on the phone. I mean, it wasn't just secretly. It, it had spread like a cancer. It had permeated the church in such a way that it eventually and inevitably morphed into something that was done openly and publicly. They were coming against Paul. You know, they were saying that he wasn't sincere. Uh, they were saying that Paul didn't speak the truth. Uh, they were saying that Paul wasn't a man of his word. They were saying that Paul wasn't walking in the spirit, that he was actually walking in the flesh. And, and, and the way the enemy operates, and it's important for us to know, is that, you guys, he will attack the messenger, not because he hates the messenger as much as he hates the message. He will attack Christians, not just because he hates Christians, but because he hates Christ. And it's good for us to know that because God wants to do such an awesome work. I mean, you're God's people. God wants to make you like him. It's amazing. I don't know if you know the miracle that you're right in the middle of, how he's working in you, how he's working through you, how God's using your life to reach those that are lost, those that have no purpose, those that are in chains, those that are on their way to hell, how God is working in this church and how much the enemy would love to just mar the messenger and mar the ministry and mar the message. And so this letter right here is one of those rare occasions where Paul said no, I need to kind of get up and I need to fight back. I need to defend myself. So we read here, look, it says in 2 Corinthians 1, in, in verse 12, he says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. And so, uh, today I'm going to give you five words and one wonderful name. 
the name is Jesus, the first word is sincerely. Sincerely. Do you guys want God to work in you? You guys want God to work through you? You guys, you guys want God to save your family members that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography and living life as atheists and they have no purpose and they're caught up in cults and they're out there, you know, trying to buy into the American dream, which is really an American lie in so many ways? Then we need to come back to this place where we as Christians know who we are in Christ. You know, the enemy will come against this church, and he'll come against me, and he'll come against Henry, and he'll come against the leadership, and he'll come against the pastors, and he'll come against the overseers. He will. And we have to be cognizant of that. Now, we, of course, as pastors, we search our heart. And we, we've been involved in the ministry long enough to know these are things we're always checking for. Number one, am I ministering sincerely? They were saying Paul doesn't minister sincerely. Paul said, yes, I do. You know, he begins with what I would describe <clears throat> as a humble boasting. Uh, he will do that a few times in this letter. In one sense, he's kind of forced to. Now, this boasting is not professions of pride by Paul, but they're more along the lines of confession of confidence by Paul, who what he did, you guys, is he searched his conscience, and he said, you know what, I'm not one of those phony baloney guys that you see on TBN that are all dressed up and they're doing it just for the money. I'm not, that's not why I'm here. I searched my conscience, and my conscience is clear. I'm serving sincerely. I love God, and I love the people of God. And that's, you know, what he's saying. You know, someone was lying to the congregation in Corinth saying that Paul was in all reality. Uh, he wasn't conducting himself sincerely. He wasn't acting godly. And, and so Paul has to kind of like say, look at verse 12, for our boasting is this. He kind of had to, to in, a, in a humble way, boast. You know, he just searched his heart, and, and he's just trying to be honest. And he says, in all reality, we conducted ourselves in simplicity and godly sincerity. The word translated simplicity right here, it means singleness. It's the virtue of one who is free from pretense and hypocrisy. It's not self-seeking. It's the opposite. It's the antithesis of duplicity. I'm not in this, and we all have to check our heart. We're not in this to build our own kingdom. And this church is not divided. Whatever you do, don't try to divide this church. This is Jesus' church. You don't come against it. Paul said, when I search my heart, my conscience is clear. I'm acting with, with singleness of heart. There's no duplicity. It's simplicity. And the godly sincerity here is in reference to purity. He essentially says to his critics, in all honesty, I can say this with a clear conscience, we, we don't function in the flesh. We're not walking in the wisdom of this world. For those were the accusations. He says, no, it, it wasn't in the nature of man. It's by the grace of God that I, that I operate, and especially towards you, Corinthians. That's what he says. You know, because Paul had shown the Corinthians a lot of grace, right? A lot of grace. And I think we've done the same. You know, sometimes people misinterpret that grace, you know, extended towards them, and they, and they see that meekness as weakness, or they see that kindness as blindness, or they see the openness to change of their plans as fickleness and the work of man, and it's not always that way. You know, what we're going to see in this letter that the Corinthians were upset that Paul said he was going to visit them uh, two times, and he didn't. 
He wrote them a letter instead of visiting them. And believe it or not, these guys are weird, huh? They held it against him. You know, even though he was just trying as a leader, as a Christian, just trying to make the right decision that would benefit them, they came against him. Here's the thing, and we all have to search our hearts. You know, Paul was the real deal. And we have to be the real deal. And we can be that. I, think, I don't think you guys are that dumb. I think that, you know, if you just would open your heart a little bit, you can kind of see if someone's real or not. Paul is saying we're the real deal, even though people are saying contrary, right? I mean, what we say right here is he wrote them a letter, and, man, he's just trying to make this decision for their benefit. He was sincere, not only sincere, but he was clearly called and commissioned by Jesus Christ to be an apostle, a church planter, a missionary, a pastor, and, and to be the one that the Savior sent. That's a good combination. You, go, you got a guy who's sent by Jesus? You got a guy who's sincere for Jesus? That's who Paul was. He's a good model for us, especially in his sincerity. I remember reading a, a one book by a, a well-known author, and he said if he could add one more beatitude, he would add this beatitude. Blessed is the man who has nothing to hide. Blessed is the man who you could leave a, a tape recorder in every single room of his house, and he would be blameless with the words that he speaks. Blessed is the man who you could even scrutinize with some type of you know, spiritual x-ray and search into his heart and his mind, and he's got nothing to hide. That's who Paul was. He said, I, I, I check my conscience. I really love you, Lord, and I really love all these people. Lord, and you know it. He was saying, seriously, you know, the simplicity means I'm free from pretense or hypocrisy. I don't have a hidden agenda. I have no misguided or ulterior motives. I've been planted in the church by, you know, specific places by the enemy because the Bible does say that in the, in the church you've got the wheat and you've got the tares that are planted there by the devil. Paul said, no, I'm, I'm real. I care. And we have to have that heart, that heart of, uh, of sincerity, no hidden agenda. You know, there's a story of an architect who offered to build a house for a Greek philosopher. And he said, I can construct the house in such a way that it would be impossible for anyone to see into it. But the philosopher thought it through and he said, I'll pay you twice as much if you could build me a house where people could see into every single room. I mean, and, and, the, and the story is, I got nothing to hide. Sincerity, godly simplicity. You know, right here, the word translated godly simplicity, it, it describes something which can bear the test of being held up to the light of the sun and looked at with the sun, you know, virtually shining through it. And he said, happy is the man whose every action will bear the light of day and who, like Paul, can claim that there are no hidden motives in my life you see man sees the action god sees the intentions that's where we have to say lord make me real 
First word, sincerely. Second word is honestly. Look at verse 12 again. It says, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, you know, that we conducted ourselves in the world in, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and, and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Do you guys ever think about that day? Man, it's going to be so cool when we stand before the Lord. You know, you will stand before Jesus Christ. Now, if you've given your, your heart to him, if you're a Christian, it's so cool. You're free. You're forgiven. You don't have to stand at the white throne. That's where people will be judged for their, their sins, their behavior. No one's going to be good enough to go to heaven at the white throne. But we will stand before Jesus Christ. I want to get you ready. We want to get you ready for that day when you stand before Jesus and he looks at you, everything about you, whether or not you're real. And you can fool us. If you want to. But why would you want to do that? Why not just be, be real? Paul says, one day when we're there at the Bema seat, and I'm there, and I'm, we're watching you get your reward, I'm going to be, man, praise God. Look at that massive reward, homeboy God, because he was so real. Right? And then when I'm there, and it's my turn, and you're watching me get my reward, you're going to be so blessed, because I'm going to get a big, fat reward, too. But if we're going to get there, then we have to deal sincerely and we have to speak, here he says, honestly. Honestly. You know, they were all saying that this man who brought the truth to them was in all reality a liar. Again, if you can mar the messenger, then you can mar the ministry, then you can mar the message. Let me just get the man. That's a devil. Right? That's what he does. And so they're saying, this guy who brought the truth, he's actually a liar. They were claiming that Paul says one thing but means another. That his yes is no and his no is yes. That he can't keep a promise due to the fact that he's self-serving. And even when he writes his letters, they said you can't even believe them. You kind of got to read between the lines. Paul is basically telling them that he and his letters are straightforward. He said, you don't need to read between the lines. I don't have a hidden agenda. There's nothing you can't understand if you just take my words at face value for what they are. As a matter of fact, I hope someday, he says right here, you will fully understand us. I mean, you know everything about us. And you'll still be blessed and impressed because of the way that we love God and you, even if you don't see it right now. Because here's the thing, that if that happens, he says... If you embrace us, not just partially, but completely, as men that are called and commissioned by God, then one day when we're all there in the Lord's presence, it's going to be a big celebration. But you've got to know that to get ready for that day, we've got to get right now. As we learn from Paul's sincerity and we learn from Paul's honesty, you know, and, and let's, let's be honest here. A lot of times we're not honest. We're not honest with the things that we say. Uh, we we need the Lord's help, you know, to be true in our hearts. I mean, now sometimes I see people and I just see them say one thing and you see it in their face and they just have a total different heart. 
They're, to- they're thinking something totally different. They don't like that overseer. They don't like that ministry. They, they don't like me. And it's like, why, why would you be in this church? That's okay. I mean, you know, there's, there's good churches out there that teach the word. But what we need here is to have the same heart. Let's deal honestly. Here's the thing. If you don't like me or Henry or Rich or any of these guys, Mark or, or Richard, whoever it might be, you know what? Talk to us. I'll I tell you what. We can probably work things out. But don't be a liar. You have to deal honestly. God, help us to be true in our hearts, that we might be true in our talk, that it would be, you know, Christ-like conversation, not just up front in front of people, but behind the scenes. William Barclay, he said something fascinating. He said this, and see if you guys can follow this. He said, words are odd things. A man may use them to reveal his thoughts, or he might use them to conceal his thoughts. Few of us can honestly say that we mean to the full every word we say. We may say a thing because it is the right thing to say. We may say it for the sake of being agreeable. We may say it for the sake of avoiding trouble. But that's not how we should talk. Let's be real. Paul said, that's not me. As far as I can tell, and and again, he's searching his conscience and you know, say, my conscience is clean. I don't see any of that in me. I serve sincerely. I speak honestly. And, and with that heart, we read next in verse 15, and in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit, to pass by way of you to Macedonia and then to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. You know, Paul says, I actually wanted to visit you twice. You know, on my way to Macedonia, and then on my way back as I headed to Judea, ultimately going to Jerusalem, because remember, he's taking a contribution for the poor. And and we're going to see that in this letter. That's part of what Paul is doing, what the co-laborers are committed to. They're receiving a collection for the impoverished people in the city of Jerusalem. So that was his original plan, you know, in sincerity and all honesty. But you guys know this, that it doesn't always turn out according to our plans, huh? You know, sometimes the Lord will rearrange the plans. Things don't always go according to, you know, what we thought. Um, You guys remember Pastor Chuck Smith. I love what he said. He said, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. I remember when I was in the fifth grade. I remember, man. My, my teacher, uh, Mrs., uh, actually her name was uh, Mrs. St. Germain, and she had one of these, uh, she would be, you know, she was actually a fun teacher. I remember one time there were two guys that the rumor was they were going to fight. And so you know what we did? she did? She brought them up to the front and said, go ahead, fight. And they fought in front of the whole class. <laughs> she was, she was kind of weird. And, <laughs> and so one day there's a guy in the class and he's combing his hair. And so, you know, she does. She give me that comb. And so <laughs> it was kind of funny. You know, she takes the comb. She's looking at it, and she says, it says it's an unbreakable comb. Oh, I break it. And I'm serious. She spent a half an hour, tur- I mean, everything, man. She couldn't break it. Why? 
flexible. And, and I think that, that that's got to be our heart. I mean, I'm not saying be flaky, but we need to be flexible. Here Paul was saying, I'm going to go to you, and then I'm going to come again, and you know, that's the plan. And when it didn't work out that way, they just got all you know, riled up, and they said, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. There were some within the congregation who criticized Paul for this. He didn't follow through with his original plan and his original intention. And as a result of that, they questioned his sincerity. They questioned his spirituality. They questioned his authority. And they thought he was fickle and flaky. And that led them to question eventually everything about Paul. Because that's the way the enemy operates, right? When we get into that legalistic rigidity, be careful. And so, he says in verse 17, Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? You see, there were those who saw this change of plan as Paul failing to plan, or maybe failing to pray. This guy has taken the ministry lightly. He's not taking it to the Lord. This guy's probably not really led by the Spirit. He's indecisive. He's not a good leader. Uh, they might even go so far as saying that his yes actually means no, and his no really means yes. He's not a man of his word. And, and so, you know, we need to be careful. And those are definitely heavy accusations when they say he's not sincere, he's not spiritual, he's indecisive, he's deceptive. I think, you guys, we need to give each other a little bit uh, more room to, to follow the Holy Spirit. You know, to change things up if necessary. There needs to be an element of openness to a change of plans. You know, we're going to see later that Paul' reasoning and rationale was actually for the benefit of the body and not his own. At the same time, I think, though, we need to learn that, uh, you know, we don't take things lightly. Here's the thing, okay, we're looking at Paul, and I, and I think that we can actually, you know, come out with a good lesson for ministers, operating sincerely, operating honestly, and then the third word is operating responsibly. Responsibly. Again, I don't take this lightly, Paul says. I don't, I don't plan the things of God lightly. I don't know this heavy responsibility that I bear and take it lightly. And here's the thing that as a leader, even for all of us, we need to pray about everything before we plan and we need to make sure we pray and do our best to get our plan from God. I think that's where Paul was at. We, I think once we know that the plan is from God, let's do our best to stick to the plan that's from God. But at the same time, you can't just say lock it in and throw away the key and nothing will ever change. It can't be that way. Sometimes in leadership, when you bear that responsibility, you have to be open to the fact that plans will change. Why? Because people change and situations change. It's a fluctuating thing. You never step in the same river twice. Paul had originally planned, again, to stop in Corinth but on his way to Macedonia, coming back to Jerusalem, the unexpected happened. I mean, the unimaginable happened. I mean, things went in Corinth, they went from bad to worse, to terrible, to horrible. Now, here was a guy that had planted the church, 
And there were people planted in that church now that were just coming straight, boom, against Paul. And the enemy was trying to undermine him as a messenger and ruin the message. And here's the thing, okay? It's not about the pastor, you guys. It's not. It's not about the leader. It's not about the leaders. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And, and that's what the enemy wants to undermine. You know, sometimes, you know, the enemy comes in and he gets a foothold. And all that really matters to us if we're, if we're doing this for the right reason is that you guys stay close to Christ and that you guys continue to grow in Christ no matter where you at. Some of you here, you've been a Christian for two days almost. And some of you here for, for 25 years. There's a large, there's a wide spectrum here. That's why sometimes it's hard to teach. You have to try to give the milk. You have to also try to give the meat. God's doing such a neat work. And whenever God does a work, you think the enemy's just going to kick back? Oh, no, he's going to step it up. And so we're all here by grace. Just make sure the messenger is giving the message and he's pointing you to the Messiah. Jesus, right? The enemy comes in and he tries to divide and conquer. The enemy is trying to undermine him, ruin everything. And so Paul says, that's not the way I operate. As a matter of fact, look at verse 18. As God is faithful... Our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through who? Through us. Now it's all for the glory of God, but at the same time it's good to acknowledge the fact that there are they're messengers of God. There's vessels of God for his glory and for their good. Uh, Paul says right here, you know, in verse uh, 18, God is faithful. And, and kind of what he's saying in a humble way, so are we, you know, to the best of our ability. And, and just as when Jesus says yes and means it, so do we. You know, Jesus did say in Matthew 5.37, let your yes be yes. If you say yes, you know, let it be yes. If you say no, let it be no. You guys don't need to swear by heaven or by earth or by a single hair of your head. Uh, just say what you mean and mean what you say. Let your yes be yes. Paul said that's the way Jesus is. And let me tell you something. We're Jesus people. That's the way we are. If we tell you we love you, it's because we love you. You know, if we tell you, hey, you know, I'm concerned about this, you know, it comes from a heart that cares. Paul says in verse 19, remember how we preached Jesus? We preached him. We, being Silvanus, also known as Silas and Timothy, you know, we preached Jesus to you. And he's saying, and in Jesus, all the promises of God are a resounding yes. You know, and, and I was reading through this, and I'm like, Lord, is Paul getting sidetracked right here? And then, I, and then the Lord said, No, he's not getting sidetracked. He's he's purposely taking them where they need to go. He's taking them to Jesus. He's taking them to Jesus Christ because that's where we need to go. He wants to remind them that it's all about Jesus, and that when we came to you on that day. And every day, 
we preached Jesus to you. That's who we are. That's who we are. And I got to tell you guys this, the, the fulfillment of the law and the substance of the Old Testament is Jesus. I mean, he's the one who fulfills the law. He fulfills even all the promises of God. And, you know, from what I understand, I don't know if you guys knew this, there are 3,573 promises in the Bible. And every single one of them, he says, is fulfilled in Jesus. And that's why we have that responsibility you know, to point you to Jesus. Because in him, all the promises are not only fulfilled, in him, all the promises are possessed. You want a promise from God? I'll bless your life and I'll give you life that more abundantly. Anybody want that? Let's go to Jesus. You want heaven? You want a reward? You want to see your kids come to Christ? I mean, you name it. You just give the list. You read the Bible, everything that's good. It's all found in Christ. Paul said, that's who we are. When we preach to you, we preach to you Jesus and you got saved. And when we preach to you, we preach to you Jesus and you got sanctified and you grew up and you got strong and you became a warrior and you started being a fisher of men. We just preach Jesus. Paul says, that's, that's where it's at. You know, Satan is subtle. He's trying to mar the message by marring the messenger. He's trying to mar the ministry by marring the messenger. And Paul says, no, I'm just a simple guy chosen by Christ. I preach him and him crucified. He said, Jesus called us, commissioned us, ordained us. The message goes through us. Does that mean anything to you? And so he says in verse 21, Now he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is, is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And he's just kind of he's sharing the fullness here. He's sharing God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting how he closes verse 20 right there. It's to the glory of God, right? But then he goes on and talks about how God had established them with the Corinthians in Christ. How, you know, when we're talking about Christianity, do you guys remember the Bible says that, that Jesus said, when you guys go, you make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that's not necessarily when you get baptized, although you, we guys got to get baptized, but when you get baptized, you know, we will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's more than just that time when we wash you in water. It's about when we teach you the Bible. And it's all about the Father who chose you before the foundation of the world, the Son who died for you was nailed to a cross there on Calvary and about the Holy Spirit who came into your life when you were born again. God lives in you. Paul said, that's what we preach. That's where it's at. This is, where it's all, this is what it's all about. You guys know that God lives in you? Can you believe that? Even though you're such knuckleheads now? <laughs> And we're all messed up, and some of you guys are, are more messed up than others. I could point out a couple of you right now. 
But I tell you what, I know that guy, he is a bona fide, blood-bought believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know him. He's clean, he's forgiven, he's going to heaven. Now, he might be a little jacked up right now, but God's working on him, right? And the Holy Spirit is, 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 is in him. You know, it says right here that he has been sealed and given us that spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And there's so much to that. You read Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by, by whom you were sealed uh, for that day of redemption. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, in him, Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And we don't have time to get into all that it means, but I will uh, mention a couple of things. It's kind of like um, what they would do is they would take a, a roll, a cylinder, and then they would uh, put like some wax over it, and then they would put like a seal on it. And what that meant, it was just protected, it was owned. You know, in one sense, kind of like you brand a cattle, that, that belongs to this guy. You're branded, you've got a tattoo on yourself, you belong to God. You're sealed, you're protected by him, you're owned by him. But not only that, it's like a down payment. Um, so let's just say the Lord bought you and he put down the, the first month's payment. Let me ask you a question. Do you think he's going to you know, pay the balance? Oh yeah, he will. It's like a wedding ring, they say. So the Lord says to you, will you marry me? Did you guys say yes? You said yes. Okay, so you got the wedding ring. Or so we'll call it the engagement ring. One day we'll be there at the wedding of the Lamb, right? And we're his bride. That's who we are. That's how rich we are, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul is saying, when we went over to Corinth, we didn't come with persuasive words of wisdom or eloquence or some fancy philosophy. We came under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When you guys believed in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And one day, man, we're going to be home because of what Christ has done. And so, you know, when you look at this right here, He's given us the Holy Spirit right there in your hearts as a guarantee, a down payment, a promise ring, uh, a wedding ring. That, that guarantees, like we said earlier, all the promises that he has made to us. And, and in looking at this, it might not be in like a nice, neat fashion, but I think that Paul was kind of saying that God is a God who keeps his word, who keeps his promises. And you know what? Believe it or not, we're his messengers. We're, we're like him. Because, you know, we said we were coming to you and we didn't, and you guys are giving us a hard time. The truth is that it's the Lord that we preach to you. It's the God who appointed us to preach to you and teach to you. And that's the one who changed the plans. Because he says right here, don't doubt that. Because this is what happened. He says, seriously, in verse 23. Moreover, I, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad, but the one who is made sorrowful by me? Paul said right there, 
In verse 23, God is my witness. The only reason I didn't come to you, like you know, I said originally, is because I didn't want to um, harm you. I didn't want to go through that painful process, the, the drama that often accompanies disobedience. I didn't want to really go there, uh, he says, to, to break your heart and to make you suffer that sorrow and then have to see it with my own eyes and therefore ache myself. So God changed the plan. He said, no, it's not going to be a visitation. The communication, he said, was going to be in written form instead. It's going to be a letter. And so Paul said, you guys, you know, this is what happened. Paul planted the church, and then uh, he wrote a letter. Then he went back, because there were still things going on that weren't right, and he tried to make it right. But the second time he went back there, he was real nice to them. You know, he didn't like you know, uh, get real, uh, I guess you could say severe, uh, but things got worse because that's what happens sometimes when you're, which leads us to the next word, uh, dealing patiently. So we have to deal uh, sincerely, we have to deal honestly, we have to deal responsibly, and we have to deal patiently. And so when he visited them that, that time, he was trying to be nice again, just trying to be nice. And again, they just, they totally came against him. And he's dealing patiently with them. You know, that, that's what ended up happening. So he didn't want to go back again. The Lord changed plans. He said, you know what? I, I think I just need to write a letter. And you guys, ever, you guys ever come to that place where you're like, you know what? I think a letter would be better. Every once in a while, huh? I mean, there's times where you got a text message. There's times where you got to do the phone call. There's times where you got to go in person. There's times where you got to sit down and pray and just say, Lord, let me write this out. And maybe there's some of you here today that in all reality, you've got something against someone. Or maybe there's a situation going on and, and for us to just come clean, maybe you need to write a letter. That's what Paul did. And Paul said, that's where I'm at right now. This is the only reason. And I didn't want to go through the, the, the drama of maybe getting into an emotional conflict with you. I was hoping and praying that in writing a letter, things would, would get better. And so, you know, he calls God as his witness that that was the only reason he didn't return to Corinth to spare them that severe rebuke. You know, Paul here is, is, is amazing to me because he's not like pastors. I mean, he's an apostle. I mean, he was an apostle, one of the 12. Jesus appeared to him. I mean, if that was you, you know, we might be saying, hey, do you know who I am? I mean, I was on the road to Damascus, and the Lord appeared to me in a light brighter than the sun. Do you know who I am? I mean, if that was me, we'd probably do that, right? Paul said, no, just dealing with these carnal Christians. I mean, just ugly, man. Just dealing with them in such a patient way. I mean, we don't have dominion over your faith. No, we're fellow workers. You know, you guys stand by faith, right? You stand by faith. But I, didn't, I determined I didn't want to make this a big drama thing, causing you too much pain and, and harm. And, and as a matter of fact, he says there in verse 2, because here's the thing, and it's just Paul's beautiful way of saying something beautiful. You guys bring me joy. And so if I make you all bummed out, where am I going to get my joy from? It's kind of cool, huh? Do you guys have anybody in your life, they, they, they just bring you joy, they, they make you smile, and 
You know, uh, man, Paul's saying, I didn't want to ruin any of that. And, and so, you know, in looking at this, what we find is, you know, I think so many things, but, you know, uh, again, five words and one name. You know, as we are our ministers, and all of us here are, um, that God would give us the grace maybe to draw from this and learn, um, among other things, how we need to deal sincerely, how, how we need to deal honestly, how we need to you know, serve responsibly, how we need to do these things uh, patiently. But, you know, at the end of the day, we need to do things obediently. And Paul did write a crazy letter to the Corinthians. And I don't know what he said in that letter, because I know he has a beautiful heart, but I do know it was a heavy letter. As a matter of fact, if you go over to chapter 7, look at verse 8. He says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I, I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. I mean, as a as a as a as a as a father loving his children, he spanked them, man. He gave them a trangaso, you know, right there. He said, What's wrong with you guys? You know, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I love you. I love you. I love the Lord. I'm not a perfect man. But come on. Why are you acting like this? Why are you being divisive? Why are you accusing me of insincerity and dishonesty and taking things lightly? That's not who I am. That's not my heart. I, I serve Christ, and I just want you so much to serve Christ. And, and at the end of the day, and here's the thing, you know, when, when push comes to shove, we deal uh, patiently, but if people don't want to change, then we have to deal obediently. And by that, you might want to put a little slash there, and we'll just use the word uh, severely. Why? Because I don't love you, Paul said? No. Later on, he says, it's because I loved you. And so, may I just pray, you guys, that the Lord would encourage us uh, to know not just, you know, uh, the faithful um, messengers, but the faithful Messiah. And, and for all of us here, we're in different places, you know, and different areas of ministry. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the enemy's coming against you. What I want to do is close today by saying, remember those five words, but then the, the one name is the name of who? Jesus. Can you say that again? The name of Jesus. Jesus. It's all about him. He'll never let you down. He'll never fail you. Man will, but Jesus never will. And that's why it's imperative that we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. I, I read a story, A.T. Pearson, he told a story about a guy who was kind of like in this, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but it was a tunnel uh, down in the ground. 
And he said that uh, whenever this guy, and supposedly it was a dream, that whenever he looked like at the, at the walls of the tunnel, he would like, kind of like be driven into the walls of the tunnel, right? And it was getting him nowhere. And, and whenever he looked down, he said in the dream, the guy started going down, and there was fire down there, right? So it was weird. He's looking to the side, and it's, it's taking him nowhere. He's looking down, it's taking him down. He said, but then when he looked up, there was like this star, you know, in the sky. And, and he knew, you know what, that's, that's the morning star. That's Jesus. And he said that whenever he looked up, he would, he would begin to rise. And so he was, you know, in this dream, you know, boom, going down, going to the side. And, and then finally it just kind of clicked to him going up. He said, well, why don't I just keep my eyes up? <laughs> Well, I just keep my eyes up. And as he kept his eyes up, man, he came up, boom, out of that tunnel, and he stood on solid ground. And that's, that's what we need to do. You know, Hudson Taylor said, the devil can't put a cap on you. He can't. And that's why you don't look at men. Don't look to the side. Don't look down to the devil. Don't listen to his lies. Remember what I tell you guys all the time, man. If you look at yourself, you're going to be depressed amen <laughs> if you look at others you're going to be in this world that we live in distressed right but if you look at jesus what happens you're going to be blessed i pray you fix your eyes on him he's doing such a neat work in you and i'm excited man to see what's next lord we thank you for who you are lord i thank you father for your love for us and just uh, when I just look at all these people one by one, boom, 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 I just see that they are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, that they're your poem, that they're not only, uh, Lord, your making, but your masterpiece. I pray, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to fill us with that power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to fix our eyes on you, and uh, really, Lord, just to come clean in every single area of our life. Don't let there be walls between us, Lord, because your word says that if we walk in the light uh, as you are in the light, then we're going to have fellowship with one another. And that's my prayer. Lord, do a mighty work if there's anyone here who doesn't know you. Uh, God, together, not just me, but together we cry out for their salvation. And if you're here today and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to give your heart to Jesus, believe it or not, you know, to go to heaven is a simple prayer because he did all the hard work when he died for you on the cross. All you have to do is receive him as Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. And I want to lead you guys in a prayer. Okay, if you want to receive Christ, just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, Come to into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Help me, Lord, today to be a Christian and fill me with your love and your power. I crown you as my King and I make you the God of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 
1.4. Remember that Jesus loves you.